The Guardian. Welcome to Science Weekly. We're taking some of the most pressing scientific questions about the coronavirus outbreak, some sent in by you, and exploring them in detail. Thanks so much to the many listeners who have already sent in questions and have contacted The Guardian to lend their support. In times of global crisis, trusted news is more important than ever, and The Guardian is committed to accurate, reliable news. You can help us to provide the quality information the world needs by supporting The Guardian. Just go to www.theguardian.com forward slash support podcasts. That's all one word. And we would love to keep hearing from you. So please continue to send your questions via a form we've set up. Head over to theguardian.com forward slash COVID-19 questions, or one word. Recently, we heard from Amber in Nottinghamshire, who asked, would recovery mean immunity? And many more of you have been writing in with questions on the topic of immunity. So in today's episode, we're exploring how immunity works and what it means to have immunity to a virus. T-cells are kind of like the master controllers of the immune system. When they get activated, they can go down many different paths, depending on the type of infection that's involved. I'm Nicola Davis, and you're listening to Science Weekly. Just before we start, we are all still working remotely, and very occasionally, the tech doesn't go quite as we planned it. The line here isn't as great as we'd like, but it's an important episode, so bear with us. My name is Dr. Jenna Machoki. I am an immunologist at the University of Sussex. Hi Jenna, thank you for joining us on Science Weekly. Thank you for having me. When you were last here on Science Weekly, you were describing how our immune system works. Take us back to the beginning again. What happens when a virus enters the body? So when viral particles enter our body, and if we look at the example of SARS-CoV-2 entering via the respiratory tract, and the virus will infect our cells. So it has this little lock and key mechanism. It contains proteins on its surface that fit with proteins on the surface of our cells that line our respiratory tract, which allows it entry. And this is something that's quite unique about viruses. They rely on our cells to reproduce. So they need to get inside our cells and then they hijack all the cellular machinery to make copies of themselves. And the thing about viruses is that they look different molecularly from our own cells. So they have patterns on them that are unique to viruses. And this is the first thing that our immune system uses to raise a red flag. So the innate immune system, the non-specific one, it's looking all the time for patterns of danger or pathogens. And as soon as they detect something untoward, then they start a rather broad non-specific antiviral response where they instruct both immune cells and those delicate cells that line our airways to produce these molecules called cytokines. And very particular ones that are involved in a viral infection are the interferons. And these start the whole cascade of fighting the infection. They're sort of toxic to viruses, so they make the whole environment very uncomfortable for the viruses. They start to call in more of these innate immune cells and more cytokines are being produced. And these start to give us these familiar symptoms of being unwell. So it's actually the immune response, this inflammatory response, we call it. They give the fever, the headaches, the muscle pain. 
This response is very early, very immediate, and it serves a few purposes. It's trying to slow down the replication and the spread of the virus. If that's overwhelmed and it cannot control the infection, it has to call in for backup. And this is our acquired, more specific adaptive immune response. It does this so that these innate cells take little pieces of the virus and break them up into tiny molecules and then deliver them back to our lymph nodes. And here they present them to our adaptive immune system, so the T cells and the B cells. And this allows them to survey these pieces of the virus and make a very specific, very targeted response that's directed exactly at that specific infection. These cells can then start producing antibodies and they start to clone themselves. So they make their own little army. And the downside of that is that, you know, as much as these immune responses that we're generating are very helpful, they also come with a degree of collateral damage. So they're very toxic to our own cells. Um, and by killing the cells that are infected with the virus means that they're killing our own cells, compromising the ability of our airways to do their job. Jenna, you talked there about some different cells that are involved in our immune response. Can you just briefly explain the difference between T cells and B cells? Because that's quite important. Yeah, so the T cells and the B cells are the two main populations of our adaptive immune response, this highly specific and targeted one. And this adaptive immune response is the one that also gives us immunological memory, so the ability to remember things that we've seen and then be protected. And T cells are kind of like the master controllers of the immune system. They come in many different flavors. So they start off as one type of T cell, but when they get activated, they can go down many different paths, depending on the type of infection that's involved. And then the B cells are the antibody producers. So you kind of need them all to be collaborating together. So why do people's immune systems react differently to infections? Like, is it down to the initial dose of the virus? Is it down to things like genetics? You know, we've seen some people get very mild symptoms, other people get very severe symptoms of coronavirus. So I'm just wondering what's going on there. There's probably a few things going on there. In terms of dose, there's probably some degree of dose response. There's a better chance of infection, the bigger dose that you're exposed to. But for this particular virus, we don't know the sort of shape of, of how that looks. One of the biggest things that we find is that in the adaptive immune response, this very specific immune response, this is very rooted in genetics to make us particularly individual, which means we have a very personalised, fine-tuned immune response. And this comes down to a set of genes that encode for um, compatibility molecules. So then these genes um, are very unique um, and the way we inherit them from our parents is quite unique that makes us even more individual in our immunity. And this seems to be the biggest factor in determining how people react to, to different infections. And when you think about it, if we all reacted the same way and um, something very lethal came along, then it would, it would kill us all as a species. So we have an inherent diversity within a population and that's very important for survival of the species. Once your immune system has fought off a virus and returned to normal, what does it mean to have immunity? What, what is this term that we're hearing a lot about? So this is a big topic at the moment. And immunity is, is basically when an individual has an acquired resistance to an infection with a particular pathogen, a particular germ, because they've seen it before. And this is down to the adaptive immune system, so the very specific immune response. Um, and after it's fought the infection 
or if you've been given a vaccination, you'll be left with a residual population of what we call memory cells. And these are long-lived cells. So in, in some cases, they can live for perhaps your entire lifespan. And that means that they're going to offer protection if you ever see that infection again. And I think with SARS-CoV-2, what we don't know is um, how well people develop this immunity, how durable this is, how long-lasting this is. Um, and this is obviously data that we need to, to discover as time goes on. It's been said that the coronavirus is particularly problematic because none of us have encountered it before. It's a new virus on the scene, as it were. So there's no immunity in society to it. How different is that to the situation with seasonal flu? I mean, we know that if you get flu one year, you can get it again the next year. So are we naive to each each different seasonal flu or, or does some immunity if we've had it one year carry over to the next year? So there's a few things happening. I think uh, with in the case of influenza and in the case of many respiratory viruses, um, we don't always develop durable immunity, which means that the, the strength of the memory response isn't enough to last for several decades. It might be lasting for a year or so when it starts to wane. And another thing that's happening is that some um, infections like to try and evade our immune response and if you think about you know we've we've evolved with all these different germs in our environment so there's always been this kind of battle between them trying to infect us and our immune systems trying to protect us and this to and fro means that there's a sort of selective pressure on infectious germs to try and evade any immune responses and they do this by changing the the molecules on their surface to look slightly different um, and influenza does this very easily so this is known as antigenic drift. It's a gradual accum accumulation of mutations to evade any previous uh, immunity that we might have developed to that particular influenza strain. And then at the same time, we may have found that our immunity has waned over time. So you have these two kind of different things happening, which means that we can catch influenza again and, and again, or we need to have uh, regular annual vaccinations to the new strains. We know that when we look at other coronaviruses, so the first SARS outbreak, that we found that antibodies were formed in these patients and they could be found up to a year in, in patients that had been infected and then they started to decline. So I think that there's a possibility for this current SARS-CoV-2 outbreak that we would make a good antibody response, but it wouldn't be long-lived. So it would be something that maybe we would either need to have repeated vaccinations for or we could be reinfected with. So I think it's not going anywhere for the near future and it's going to require a global effort to try and deal with this. Thanks very much, Jenna, and thanks for joining us. It's been lovely having you back on Science Weekly. Thanks for having me. As with much of the science around this pandemic, the picture when it comes to COVID-19 and immunity is a fast-changing one. So be sure to keep updated on any COVID-19 developments at theguardian.com. That's all for today. My thanks to Jenna and to you for listening. And remember, if you do have any questions that you would like us to explore, head over to theguardian.com forward slash COVID-19 questions. From all the team here, do take care and we'll see you soon. 
For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts.